Who will be back next year? What's the best fit? Who is the answer to our questions? What if a major free agent is available? All the questions you'd expect on Ask LOJ next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, how are you? I am David Locke, and it is the April 7th edition of Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We're also available on YouTube, where you can join the conversation, the community, and all the rest of the fun stuff. Uh, and you are, uh, welcome to please give us a five-star review, a nice comment or two. All of those things are much loved and appreciated. And thank you for being a part of this show. I am David Locke, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and Hopefully, this show, sorry, I realized I did not update the graphics. You're seeing them being updated right now live if you're on YouTube, so a little scattered right there. Uh, Hopefully, each and every day, Locked on Jazz makes it better to be a jazz fan. That was a screwed up open. Might as well. We got eliminated. The run is over. What a great fun year. Um, What a great fun year. So this is Ask LOJ today. And on Ask LOJ, you submit your questions um, via the Twitter thing. God, it would be great to find something else to do this on, wouldn't it? Um, and we then uh, take your questions and do that. So we'll th- those are coming. They're great. I'm going to jump right to them. And then we will do points gained for the season, kind of close to the end of the season, points gained. We'll do probably one more next week where we actually do end of season and look at per players and things like that. And then um, we'll do our lottery. Uh, next week, we'll start season in review. So every dayers, don't go anywhere. You A bunch of you have been super loyal and with us every single day, all season long. So every dayers, please do not go everywhere. We are your team every day. And that does not stop when the regular season ends or when we get eliminated. So let's do it. Um, let's get to your questions right away. I mean, I, uh, tip of the hat, 80 games in the season of relevant games. Super fun. Another night last night where we battled to the end. So just super, super fun. Um, and that gets to our first question of the day coming in from Ryan. What was your favorite part of the season? There was a lot of talk about this season being really fun, but I'm interested in your view of what was the best part. So I have two answers to this. Um, One, I I think the newness, or three answers, if you don't mind. I think the newness was certainly a a part of that that was great fun. Uh, Just getting to know everything from the new, from Will Hardy to Sean Sheldon to Evan Brads to, like, these are Sean and Evan are assistant coaches you may not know yet. Like, hopefully they'll become household names to, you know, for me, it's all about personal. To getting to know Taylor Horton Tucker and Kelly Olenek, like, the people are what drive it for me personally. Um, working with Ron is always great on, a, on those. So that's a personal level. From a, uh, The other one I thought was just the fans' connection to a brand new team. I thought it was a really big ask to the fans this year that we're going to open the year. You don't recognize any of the players. We're in brand new uniforms. Our colors are different. Like everything was different. And I thought everyone embraced it, jumped aboard, and loved it. And the team certainly gave us something to love. Um, and so those would be my two. The newness as a positive for me getting to know new people. 
And then number two was the fans and the way you guys, you just embrace this team and embrace the journey. Um, I think sometimes my complaint over the last few years is we were so uptight every single day that we weren't enjoying the journey. Like I, I find, you know, some of these questions will be about how much more fun this year was than last year. I think last year ended badly, but I think there's some revisionist history there. But the, my point on that is, we just didn't under we didn't enjoy like it's entertainment from October first to April fifteenth as a part of our lives. It's pretty great. Now we add this, you know, if we get ready for the draft and you're an everyday or between now and then, you know, hopefully we'll keep you entertained. And it's it's a pretty great way to like it's our sitcom, right? It's our story. Um, and I didn't think over the last few years we were able to do that as much because it just felt like there was so much and so much expectation. So the way everybody embraced it um, this year. But I appreciate that question. It's a great way to open the show um, today. Uh, here it comes. This season was way more fun than last season, even with a worse record. Is that a, is it a coaching thing? Can we expect the same next season with a new roster? Or will we always remember Team 49 as the super fun team that played hard, never gave up, and beat expectations? That is from Jake, the Lynx. Um, you know... I would hope that we enjoy next season just as much, right? Like, I'd hate to be the pessimist who tells you right now, well, we won't, we won't enjoy next year nearly the same way. Like, God, suck. Um, we're into a 36 to 48-month process of trying to get better. It does not mean it's going to be linear. So I think there's a chance that, like, it could be hard to... Like, I think at times at the end of the season, it was hard for some of the fans. Like, wait a second, are we trying to make the play in? What are we trying to do? And the organization stayed really consistent that they were trying to develop the best pieces in the best way for the future. And I was, I admire the organization for the, not getting caught up into the, into the various things. So in that sense, you know, I would hope that next year is just as enjoyable. I think there's a chance that next year could be a little tougher, right? Like in the Minnesota trade, we got Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. We traded Mike Conley. Like we actually, you know, we got a really great draft pick in the Lakers. I think it was a good deal. I think it was the right move, but like, We've got some real gaps to fill, and I don't know how we fill them, and I think we likely fill them with the ninth, 14th, and 27th pick, and then that's really young, and then you don't win a lot of games when you're young. Um, So, and if you actually look at the way the Jazz rebuilt the one time they went through it when this Team 49 most resembles is that Carlos Arroyo kind of no-name team that won 42 games with Jerry Sloan. The next year we won like 24 and if you go back and look at Danny Ainge and Danny Ainge's run in Boston, Doc Rivers' first year is eerily similar to this. And then they get a little younger in the offseason. And then they're really they're really bad for the next year. And, and it looks like they're in the midst of a long rebuild. And they, you'll hear the story just a ton. They actually were trying. They thought they were going to go get Kevin Durant in the draft. And then they got bad lottery luck. And the next thing you know, they you'll probably hear it more than once on this show, um, they they end up then making all those trades. But if you look, they go 33 and 49 the first year with Doc Rivers and or second year with Doc Rivers, first year of the rebuild. And then the next year they go 24 and 58. I think there's a chance we go 24 and 58 next year. Like that's, that wouldn't mean that our plan is off kilter at all. It actually might mean the plan's exactly on kilter. Now, is that going to be as much fun? So I don't, you know, I think, I don't think this is necessarily linear um, along the way. From... Russ Dixon, how involved is Danny Ainge? Does he have as much player evaluation as he did with the Celtics? Has he decreased his workload? So Danny claims he's re- reduced his workload. 
Um, that was like his, Danny's big claim coming in that he he didn't want to you know grind it out every day the same way. Um, you know, I, I've heard plenty of stories of Danny jumping on planes to go see specific games and specific nights and specific places, and I see him a lot of the times in the arena. So I think Danny loves this. I think he's a basketball junkie. I think he watches games at an alarmingly high rate. Um, so he's very, very involved. He's, I think, still, you know, the kingmaker in a lot of ways. Justin's doing huge work in it. Steve Schwartz is really involved in all of it. Um, but I think, you know, Danny's still very, very involved. And I think, you know, as much as Danny says he's not going to, you know, stress it out and grind it out, he's had a few heart attacks and things like that. The guy's like, you know, one of the greatest athletes of all time and a truly unbelievable competitor. <clears throat> so I would say, um, you know, I would say I would suspect he's he's still very, very, very involved. Here's the number one question everyone wants. I don't have a great answer. I wanted to leave it in because I didn't want it to look like I was ducking it anyway. Um, might be early, but any updates on TV coverage for next season? So first thing is there's always a radio broadcast. I always love everybody asking me these questions about TV. I get it. It's kind of like a little bit of like, well, I don't want to have to listen to you. So could you please like, I would listen to Bowler too. Um, and Thurl and Holly. Um Here's what I do know. They're working incredibly hard. There's numerous conversations and they have a very specific goal next year. And the goal, interestingly enough, really does not have, is not financially a good fit for the Jazz. Like they're going to take a bath financially because the goal is to open up the and get the broadcast to you in as many possible ways as they can. That's the goal. I think is a fair way to say this, that this idea that we're in a day and age where you can't always get the broadcast is not acceptable to Ryan. And so they're going to try to get it to you in as many vehicles and manners as they possibly can. Are you gonna have to pay? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like that's the reality. You have to pay for ESPN. So um, I think, but there, I think the accessibility is a huge goal of everything they're doing. Um, all right, next question. With the Jazz implementing both a zone and a man. Now, here's an everydayer. Andy Williams right here is an everydayer. Uh, your team every day, and Andy Williams is with us every day. Uh, love it. Thank you, Andy. Great season. Appreciate you so much. Uh, with the Jazz implementing both a man and a zone defense, do you think positional size at each position will push more toward a zone? Thank you for making each and every game easier to uh wake in the middle of the night for Andy lives. I don't remember where, but it's not close. Um, all right, let's answer that in just a second. How does this uh, heavy reliance on the zone defense recently impact um, what the jazz are going to do um, as a, as a franchise? We'll touch on that as we continue uh, in just a moment here on locked on jazz. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai located in wood in Linden, also in Logan and at 4646 South State Street. I got a nice email the other day. Somebody wanted to go up to the Logan store, stop by. We got them hooked up with Casey. If you're in Salt Lake, we can get you hooked up with Cameron over at the Murray store. And Jake is standing by for you at the uh, Linden store. Those are our VIP consultants. And we want to make sure that you, as a Locked On Jazz everydayer, gets a VIP experience over at Murdoch Hyundai. Why Hyundai? You get most bells, most whistles, most features for your dollar each and every time. It's crazy impressive what you can get for it with the technology the Hyundai has. I'm driving the Santa Cruz right now, which is the truck hybrid. It's a pretty cool vehicle. We own two of the Santa Fe's. We own the Ionic. I'm 
backing up what I'm telling you with everything I've done. Feel free to email me first before you head over so we can set you up with a VIP meeting. You can reach me at dlock, L-O-C-K-E, 09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. <clears throat> and we'll take care of you, give you that VIP experience over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on is your answer. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. It is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And right now, new customers get a new sweat, no sweat, first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored to threes drained, player props, core items, all the rest. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets. Uh, chance to big pay. I think you can do Masters this week. So don't get miss your chance to no sweat first bet on the $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On and of the NBA. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen today. Monday, we'll recap the season. We'll start player previews next week, and I will dig deep into the draft for you uh, as well uh, as we as we warm up. And then we'll do late game watches for the playoffs and some fun stuff like that and see what we can learn. Um, I think the number one thing we're going to learn on the playoffs is you've got to be able to dribble drive. Uh, you got to be able to tack closeouts. Every, that was the story last year. I think that'll be the story this year. All right, let's go back to Andy's question. With the Jazz implementing both the man and the zone defense, do you think positional size at each position will push more towards a zone? Thank you very much. All right, so... The zone we've played a lot. It has had mixed results of success. Some nights it's been a disaster. I'll do a breakdown on it probably Tuesday of next week. Some nights it's been awesome. And we've really stayed in it an awful lot. And I think that what this is is just another example of the Jazz developing for the upcoming years. This is going to be a part of your routine. Individual offensive players have become so good and half-court offenses are so good this year that you have to find different ways to combat it. And if you can find a way to just shake things up enough that you disrupt what they're doing like they did last night, I think it's worth it. And the Jazz seem to have a zone that Will likes, which is a 1-3-1, and they really develop. There's also another way, Scott Morrison, who's been the assistant, uh, the, the coach in the G League, I think this is another way you use the G League. I haven't didn't watch their G League games, but I would bet that they played some 1-3-1. The Jazz did some things this year where they did some transition defensive things at that level, and then the next, and then, you know, implemented it, saw what it did at the G League, and then implemented it in the NBA. I would guess maybe the zone was another one they did. But here's the, the real story about this, is that half-court offense went from point, from 95.6 points per 100 possessions, 95.6 a year ago per 100 possessions, to three points better per 100 possessions this year, to 98.5. So, that I think, um, that I think is a sign that like half court offenses are becoming so good, you have to really sh- change things up. And the idea of just double teaming the best player all the time is not a good answer. Um, you can do it some, but it's not the answer. What type of player is the ideal fit next to Kessler, Abaji, and L- Lowry? Do you have a better chance getting them via draft or trade? This is the from Glenn. This is the most common question I'm getting right now. 
And I have an answer that I'm going to hold to that I don't know that you're going to love. Like, talented player. Those three guys aren't good enough for us to, like, build a franchise around them. They need other stars. Like, I'm not sure yet what Ochai is. I think Walker's a starting center. Do I think Walker's a 36-minute-a-night starting center or a 28-minute-a-night starting center? Don't know yet. Depends on whether or not he can have defensive versatility to be able to play multiple different things. Is Ochai a off-the-bench 20-minute-a-night guy or a 34-minute starter? Don't know yet. Don't know yet. Is Lowry a number one primary go-to guy? Not yet. Will he be? Don't know yet. So I think you're really still just acquiring talent, honestly. I just don't think we're at a point in which these guys are so great. I know we love them. They put up big numbers. Lowry was incredible. You'll see it on points gained. I just don't think we're at a point where you're actually building around those guys yet. You're just still accumulating talent. We're really short on the talent game. Do you see the Jazz going after a superstar if one becomes available? Yes, 100%. Um, I think this is Danny's whole model is exactly what he did in Boston, which is he pounces depending what the market was. The second time in Boston, it was through the trade draft after signing free agent Gordon Hayward. Then he went and did the Tatum and the Brown deals, and that got him. But the time before that, they've won 24 games, and then they go and trade for Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and pull them with Paul Pierce. And they build their championship team from 24 to 66 wins in a year because superstars became available. So yes, absolutely. If a superstar becomes available, the Jazz have positioned themselves to have the draft picks to be able to make that trade and go get that player. How much priority do you think signing free agents this offseason will be for the Jazz? Not a great free agent class, but the Jazz have a lot of cap space and could use tradable contracts. Love the show. I don't think there'll be I don't think there'll be a lot of priority in signing free agents. You're drafting three players. Like when I I've started to piece together next year's roster. Um, I'll be honest, when I do that, I think it's closer to a 25 win team than a 35 win team um, next year. But maybe Lowry's just so good, I'm wrong on that. And maybe Walker's defense is so good, I'm wrong on that. Um, but I think. Um, I don't think it'll be a priority sign for you, but back to the kind of previous things, if the right player becomes available, we're in the perfect position to pounce to get that done. But I don't think we're going to the market saying, okay, we're solving this team next year in the free agent market and we're going to go try to win 52 games. What a fun season. Is there any reason for the Jazz to bundle a bunch of future draft picks together to move up to a couple of positions in this year's draft and would any team be willing to do their pick? I think this is a great question. Thank you, Matt. Um, so... The first part of the question is, is there any reason for the Jazz to bundle up a bunch of their future picks? Yeah, if if there's a player in the draft that Danny Ainge looks at and thinks is the next Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown type pick that he's made in the past, and or you know that Justin Zanuck's been a part of a Donovan Mitchell pick, and you think that there's a player of that caliber available, and they're at five and we're at nine, and you're going to trade your 14th pick and another future first, for that, and you can get there for that, then you might go do it. Absolutely, 100%. High-level talent matters in this league. Do the Jazz think one of the Thompson twins is super special? And uh, if you haven't listened to Locked on NBA Big Board, there's these two twins out of overtime elite. We'll talk about them as we get closer. Um, and, you know, do you think they're really special? Um, listening to Rafael Barlow, Leaf Tulin, and those guys on NBA Big Board, there is one guy 
And one of them sounds like he is pretty special um, and might be great. Doesn't shoot it great, but if you believe he could, he's got the technique to turn him out into a shooter, I think you believe he's a 6'8 star. Some John Morant comparisons, but bigger, like, yeah, then I think you do. I don't, I think that's going to, would be a pricey move because you also have to assume that nobody else believes that as well and that they suddenly want your ninth pick, your 14th pick and a future pick. So it's, it's a hard one. You got to find the franchise that's willing to do that. And I think that might be the more difficult thing is who wants three picks. Which players from last, from this year's team do you think will be on next year's roster? So here are the players that I feel very certain will be on next year's roster. Colin Sexton, I'm pretty certain. I'll be surprised if he's not on next year's roster. Ochai Abaji, I think, will be on next year's roster. I feel pretty good about that. Lowry Markinen, I think, will be on next year's roster. Walker Kessler, I think, will be on next year's roster. Um, I feel like Kelly Olenek is such a good fit in so many ways that I actually kind of think Kelly will be on next year's roster. That might be it. Uh, Simone Fontecchio is under contract. I think international players often get better the second year. I think he'll want to give himself a second year. So I might go with Simone. Am I forgetting anyone? So this does not mean, well, Chris Dunn and Luka Samanich, who we've both signed to be on the beginning of the roster next year, will be on the roster to start next year. Now, this does not mean that I think that, who have I left out? Taylor Horton Tucker, Jordan Clarkson, Rudy Gay, Simone Fontecchio, Doka Azabuke, Juan Toscana Anderson, Damian Jones, Johnny Juzang. It does not mean I don't, it just means I'm not sure. The question was, who do I think will be on the team next year? The guys I feel pretty comfortable saying yes are Sexton, Ochai, Lowry, Kelly, Kessler, Dunn, and Samich. The rest, there's various reasons why I'm not entirely sure um, what will happen on that. Do you think Taylor Horton Tucker can start or play significant minutes next season as our point guard? I think he can play significant minutes. I'm not sure he starts. Um, he has done a great job. He's developed. He's really skilled. There's a lot to play with in development there. He is, by the way, have the right to opt out as a free agent and not take his $11 year, million next year and opt into a contract. And I think from... Unless, you know, I, I don't know the read like his agent does. I think that's the right move for him. So he's averaged 17 points, five rebounds, six assists um, over the stretch. I think he has to probably opt out and see if he can get a better deal. And I don't know if it's with us. So that's why I didn't include him in the previous list. Um, he shot 43% and 32% in this stretch. That's actually not good enough to be a starter um, and not efficient enough. Um, but I do think there's a lot of superpowers there in his game that can be successful and be um, useful to the Jazz. All right, quickly running through a few fast ones here before we do points gained. Um, on a scale of one, ten, slow rebuild, 10, fast rebuild, five, medium rebuild, how would you rule Team 49? I would call it a 10. Um, because you got Will Hardy's a great coach. you got Lowry Markin into peace, and you got Walker Kessler and Ochai Abaji can play you you added four major important pieces you didn't know you had to begin the season what in one offseason move jazz would you'd love to see i think the jazz need to get a point guard um or another kelly Olynyk type player that 
the fabric that holds the team together, or the thread that holds the fabric together. We need a little bit more. We need something of that sort. I think there's a real value to those players that allow everybody else to develop and play well. And we've seen as we've gotten injured late in the season, it's harder for some of these guys to play when they don't have that. If Lowry makes all NBA, will he be eligible for a Supermax? If he is eligible, should the Jazz offer to him? This is a great question. So he has to have played seven years in the NBA to be eligible for the Supermax, if I am correct. He's played six, so it would be after next season. And then the way they phrase it, you have to have been All-NBA in the most recent season. So I think you would have to be All-NBA in next season to be Supermax eligible, if I'm reading it right. If he is Supermax eligible, and that gets really darn tricky on whether or not you should do it. I mean, you got to do it because you got to keep your guys, but it's really tricky. Um, I doubt the ninth and 14th picks are going to be as good a picks as 14 and 22 from last year. Why? Why? We actually didn't even pick 14 and 22 and they came out. Well, we those are the guys we traded with. 9 and 14, when we pick, when we know what we want, type of players. I think there's a great chance that we get good players on that. Uh, what current team member would you rather have on a team, Lucas Samanich or Simone Fontecchio? It's a good question. So um, I always will go size. Lucas taller and bigger. Neither Both of them have like these nice strokes and neither of them go in right now. Um, but I think at 6'10", I would take the 6'10 guy, just literally be on that. Uh, your thoughts on the CBA from, um, I don't know enough yet. I'm going to work on that next week. What I do know, I think if you draft well and you develop well, you have a chance to hold on to your players. That's really what we would want out of a CBA. It also seems like they've cut the legs off the high spending, really, really high spending franchises. And so that's probably to our advantage. Ah, uh, this is the question that we can all chew on forever. Given how open the West is, do you think the Jazz could have made a deep playoff run if they didn't blow the team up? Yeah, if they could have just... I, yes. If you had Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, that group together, this, they would be one of the best teams in the West this year, and then we'd see whether or not all those... One another year, would we have all the same weaknesses show up? I don't know, but... Um, and could have you built around the roster and got them some players to help them a little bit and make them... I don't know. Um, but then also the next question is, could have you gotten the same thing for Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell in the trade market? And the answer is probably no. So um, I think, you know, it, it, in that bubble, yes, this year that team would be competing. It, does that mean that that was the wrong move? No. Uh, final question. In this year's past, you've done specific players with a drafted and always looked at the last... Uh, of how those players have panned out in this year's draft statistically. Yes, I will do the same. It'll be coming up in the upcoming weeks here on Locked on Jazz. Great! Ask LOJ questions. You guys are the best. Appreciate you so much. Thank you to all the everydayers that are a part of this show as we bring it to you each and every day. It is your team every day. Um, Let us um, do points gained and our lottery next as we continue. It is time now. For us to choose our Nissan Aria Player of the Week. Talk to me about Kelly Olenek. Talk to me about Kelly Olenek, don't you think? Gotta love KO. Point Olenek and all the things he did this week. Nissan's most electric player of the week. Brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Kelly Walking toward triple doubles, leading some scoring, banking in threes, leading in assists, grabbing rebounds, brilliantly fierce, Stunningly powerful, elegant. Eh, I'm not sure that we go with elegant when we're talking about our ponytailed, backwards hat wearing Kelly Olynyk. But he is our Nissan Aria Player of the Week. 
The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power. Premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. The perfect SUV crossover. The Nissan Aria. All right, let's do our points gained. For those who are new to points gained, it is an offensive metric only that judges how a player does on a given night and how they use their possessions compared to the league average. For example, and every year in the past, we usually have about three players that are over three and about 10 players that are over two per game. So if you go back to the 18-19 season, Giannis was 3.6, Steph was 3.5, Harden was 3.3, and then Durant, Gobert, Capella, Towns, Gallinari, John Collins, Kawhi Leonard, and Montrez Harrell are all over two. 19-20 season, Harden was 3.3, Towns was 3.2, Collins was 3.1, Lillard was 3.03, four guys, and then about 10 guys over two. 2021 season, Steph Curry notched in at four, Durant at 3.8, Zion at 3.2, Nikola Jokic at 3.1. Last season, Nikola led it. Nikola Jokic led at 3.9, Gobert was second at 3.5, Durant 3.2, Giannis 3.2, Jared Allen 3.1, and we had a few more guys at two. So this year, not final yet, but you can see the offensive jump here. We actually have two players over four. So Jokic is at a 4.3. The last player to have a season as good offensively as Nikola Jokic has had was Steph Curry in his incredible 17-18 season when he was a 4.7. So that puts in perspective that year. Kevin Durant is second at a 4.2. And Joel Embiid is third at 3.7. So suddenly you understand why this MVP battle is that hard. And then our two other guys over three, Steph Curry and Dame Lillard. It's amazing Portland lost games with a 3.1. Zion Williamson does not play enough games, but he would have been 2.8. Demodis Sabonis, 2.5. And Lowry Markin in 2.4. So number one in the NBA was Nikola Jokic. Number two was Kevin Durant. Number three was Joel Embiid. Number four, Steph Curry. Number five, Dame Lillard. This, like, makes some sense, right? This metric's pretty good. Zion doesn't register, but he would have. Sabonis is six. Lowry Markin in his seven. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is eight. Jimmy Butler is nine. Anthony Davis is 10, and Nick Claxton of Brooklyn is 11. Those are all the players that were over two. If you'd like me to continue, Jared Allen is 12. Austin Reeves, 13. Miles Turner, 14. Rudy Gobert, 15. Daniel Gafford, 16. Centers that can dunk are popping up here. Robert Williams is 17. Kristaps Porzingis, 18. Mason Plumley 19. Kawhi Leonard, 20. Boyan Bogdanovich, 21. Walker Kessler, 22. Luka Doncic, 23. Donovan Mitchell, 24. Big jump for Don in his career. Trey Murphy, New Orleans, 25. Brandon Clark, 26. That was a painful injury to Memphis. Dwight Powell, 27. Thomas Bryant, 28. Okongo, 29. And Tyrese Halliburton is at 30 with Kyrie tied. Obviously, the centers that can dunk bump in there pretty quickly. Um... To see that, who were the who finished the year? I think who gets the title is going to Dylan Brooks. I think will get the title as worst offensive player. Uh, Cade Cunningham limited time. Frank Jackson limited time. Killian Hayes of Detroit will get the title for the least efficient offensive player in all of the NBA, followed by Terry Rozier, Blake Wesley of San Antonio, Dylan Brooks, then Russell Westbrook, Traveling Queen. Uh, Dennis Smith in Charlotte for all the love he got. Paulo Boncaro, minus 2.0. I really think either of the two guys 
Oklahoma City or Walker should be rookie of the year. But um, Paulo just put up big numbers. He shot 43%, 30% from three. I mean, it's like bad. I think he'll be fine, but those are bad numbers. John Wall was 1.9. That's why he got cut. RJ Barrett, minus 1.8. Kelly Oubre, minus 1.8. Lou Dort, minus 1.8. Jabari Smith, Houston, minus 1.8. I don't worry about rookies, but Jalen Green being there for the second year, straight year is not great. LaMelo Ball was minus 1.7 before he got hurt. Um, interest Justice Winslow, minus 1.6. Victor Oladipo, minus 1.6. Scotty Barnes, minus 1.6. That's a little disturbing for Toronto. DeJounte uh, Murray in Atlanta, minus 1.6. That's a little disturbing. Jaden Ivey, minus 1.6. Talon Horton Tucker, minus 1.6. CJ McCullum, minus 1.5. That was an untalked about story. He just never got going in New Orleans. He got better as the year went on, but started brutally. Josh Giddy's at minus 1.5, which is a little bit of a problem for Oklahoma City moving forward. Um, and Fred Van Vliet was at minus 1.5, and he'll be the most highly sought after rookie uh, free agent, which is worth wondering about. Um, Kyle Kuzma, minus 1.4, who will be a big free agent as well. So um, Malik Beasley, minus 1.3 to end the year, or as we close up, surprising. All right, that is your points gained. Here's your Utah Jazz final numbers on the, or set close to final. Some of them, I don't think we're seeing some of these guys again. So Lowry obviously led us. Brilliant year, 2.4. Walker Kessler, minus 1.6. Kelly Olenek, 1.1. Colin Sexton, 0.8. That's super good for a guard. Adoka Azabuke, minus point, or plus 0.7. Damian Jones, plus 0.6. Lucas Samich, 0.4. Ochai Abaji, even. Really good for a rookie. Chris Dunn, even. Toscana Anderson, minus 2.2. Jordan Clarkson, minus 0.9. Fontecchio, minus 1.1. Rudy Gay, minus 1.2. Taylor Horton Tucker, minus 1.6. Johnny Juzang, minus 1.7. That is your points gained. We'll we'll do one more probably before the season's over. And now let's go to our lottery. We are sitting at 9th, 14th, and 27th. On this, as of today, the Jazz have a 23.7% chance for top four and a 5.2% chance for one. Here we go. Boom. The number one pick of the NBA draft goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Wow. They would be with Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama. Wow. Charlotte gets the number two pick of the draft. The Houston Rockets get the three. The fourth pick of the draft goes to San Antonio Spurs, so the Detroit Pistons are the team that drops four spots. Portland goes to six. Washington slides to seven. Indiana slides to eight. Orlando slides to nine. And Utah slides to 10. Minnesota at 14. So the Jazz would end up with the 10th pick. Chicago would be 11 going to Orlando. Dallas would be 12 going to New York. And the Jazz would be the 10th pick, the 14th pick, and the 27th pick on that scenario. The Jazz have a two game, two games they'd have to, the Jazz cannot get up to eight. I don't think unless Orlando or Indiana win their final two games, which they're not going to do or Washington, and the Jazz would have to catch them, and the Jazz would have to win their final two, and Chicago or Dallas would have to lose their final two to catch the Jazz as well. So the Jazz seem to be pretty implanted in nine. That is Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much. Appreciate all the everydayers who tune in for the show each and every day as it is Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.